Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Joe Cunningham Show. This is Joe Cunningham here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542. If you want to be part of the conversation, thrilled to be here with you guys today. Uh, I don't want to spend too long on it, but let's uh, get a recap of the speaker drama in the House of Representatives. So there has been a 13th vote, and I think they are now looking to... uh, they're now looking to adjourn until later this evening where they come back for the 14th vote, and it's looking like Kevin McCarthy may have it. There are still a number of holdouts, but a lot of those 20 holdouts have now come back. So what exactly did those holdouts get? Let me explain. The plan was always to not have Kevin McCarthy. But if Kevin McCarthy was indeed inevitable, the conservatives wanted significant concessions. And the concessions that were being offered were not enough. In fact, the the conservatives were essentially backstabbed at first. Kevin McCarthy had said, look, if you want to be part of the rules-making process, go ahead and sign up for committees. Put get." Uh, volunteer for these committees and we'll do that. As soon as they did, McCarthy's team came out and said, see, see, they're just holdouts looking for jobs. They just want, they're, they're just holding out for committee spots. So they were pretty hurt by that, which actually hurt McCarthy and his team. So McCarthy has been forced after a dozen embarrassing votes to come to the table and give concessions to the conservatives. Here are the key concessions, and I want to go over these because these are very important. They actually do have a significant positive impact on the way the House is run. The first one, one of the big ones, one of the ones that the Freedom Caucus wanted, only one House member is needed to file a motion to vacate the chair. Now, it's not just any House member. It's got to be a House member in the majority. So all you need is one Republican to say, I would like to motion to vacate the chair. And you can get the process started. The second, Freedom Caucus members having a few seats on the House Rules Committee that will allow members to leverage certain criteria behind voting for bills. This one is huge. And I I, I want to explain this because this has never happened before. Conservatives, there may have always been like a token conservative on the Rules Committee, but for the most part, the Rules Committee has always been more of the centrist, moderate Republicans when they're in the majority. The reason why that's important is because you can put all sorts of legislation out there in the House. But that legislation has to go through the Rules Committee before it goes to the floor. See, the Rules Committee sets the procedure by which the bill goes to the floor and how you vote on it, including amendments, earmarks, things like that. You can put out all the legislation you want, but if the Rules Committee decides they don't like your legislation, they can make it impossible for that legislation to pass. And that's big when it comes to bills that conservatives don't like. The third concession, voting on a bill setting term limits for members of Congress. This one will not pass, but one of the Freedom Caucus members wanted it. 
because conservatives have talked for a while about getting term limits. It's not going to pass. There's not enough people in Congress who are willing to screw themselves out of a job, essentially. But it's a nice thought, and it's nice to see that actually coming to a floor vote later. The fourth big concession, and this one is just as big as the rules, the, uh, the, the Rules Committee concession. Individual votes on each of the 12 appropriations bills and excluding earmarks from such bills. We just had rammed through Congress a massive omnibus bill full of spending, a lot of which was unnecessary. And a lot of it went to earmarks and pet projects and things like that. The Freedom Caucus wants to go back to the old way of voting to fund the government. There are 12 appropriations that are made every fiscal year. In recent history, this is not a a long-time thing. This is more of a recent history thing, last decade, decade and a half. The House leadership team has put together a massive omnibus spending bill and has sent it to the Senate. See, spending has to originate in the House. All this, all fiscal policy, all the purse strings of government has to originate in the House. By splitting it up into 12 individual bills and not allowing earmarks, you cut out a lot of that pork spending and you cut out a lot of the stuff that's hidden away, the the hidden agenda items in those bills. It's a return to the way the House is supposed to operate. The fifth concession, a vote on legislation surrounding border security. They want that ASAP. The sixth concession, 72-hour notice from release of legislation before voting on it. So nobody can get hit with a 4,500-page piece of legislation and it go up for vote in a few hours. They They want three days to review all legislation before it goes to the floor for a vote. You combine the Rules Committee and that 72-hour notice from release of legislation, all of a sudden you are curtailing a lot of the bad legislation that goes to the House. And the final one, a vote on a balanced budget amendment. Like the voting on term limits for Congress, you're probably not going to see that one pass. But it's a good thought and a good idea to go forward. Now McCarthy still does not have the votes. He still has a number of holdouts. But a lot of the holdouts have flipped, and it's because of the negotiations with Chip Roy of Texas. See, McCarthy's team went to Chip Roy because they see him as somebody who's actually willing to work to bring it all together. Roy has been a very vocal voice against McCarthy, but he's been on the floor decrying the status quo, decrying business as usual, and wanting to go back to the way things were make them more efficient, and make them less likely to be passing these massive bills, to be pushing through legislation that doesn't, uh, that doesn't help anyone except the, you know, the, the people in power stay in power. Roy has wanted fundamental reforms the entire time he's been in Congress, and now he's been put in a position where he can get those. Now, you're going to have holdouts. You will. You will have holdouts like Matt Gates like Lauren uh, Boebert. You will have those. Uh, Matt Gates, 
threatening to quit Congress if McCarthy is elected with Democratic votes, things like that, and, and nominating Donald Trump for uh, for speaker. Those are those aren't serious. But what is serious is the negotiation from serious Freedom Caucus members like Chip Roy, like Andy Biggs, like Byron Donalds. Donalds, by the way, out of Florida, very fast rising star in the House. Would want to see him continue to grow in the House. But these are big reforms coming from the House Freedom Caucus. If McCarthy acquiesces to all of this and he gets made speaker and he's stands by his word and the agreement stands, then it will be the most conservative reform to the House of Representatives in decades. And it will make the House of Representatives a more efficient and less progressive, and I mean that in terms of the partisanship, a less progressive body. The House as it is right now does very little other than continue to spend and grow the size of government. It does not actually do anything that benefits you and I for the most part. Occasionally a bill comes through. But there are a lot more bills that negatively impact us. With the conservatives getting these concessions, getting these cha- these changes to House policy and procedure and rules, if they get this and McCarthy becomes Speaker... All of a sudden, you have some very real reforms that really benefit not just the conservatives, not just the Republicans, but the House and how it operates as a whole. That's a big deal. If Kevin McCarthy doesn't become the speaker, that's great for everybody. But if Kevin McCarthy concedes all of this to the conservatives and the House changes fundamentally because of it, that's almost as good. Now, here's the catch, and here's what's actually pretty funny. The moderates, the squishy Republicans, are all griping and moaning about how much power Kevin McCarthy has given away. And now they're threatening to go with the Democrats and get McCarthy the votes so that McCarthy doesn't need the conservatives. But there's a problem there. It's all bluff. Because as deeply divided as we are along partisan lines in this country, every person who goes and sides with a Democrat to get McCarthy elected as Speaker will not only get themselves primaried, but will bring on even more rebellion against Kevin McCarthy. And deep down they know it. They're trying to scare the conservatives into backing off. But it's become very clear that they're not backing off, that they want these substantive changes. And that is huge for the conservative movement. All right, let's take our first break of the day. Your calls, your messages on the KPL app chat. We will be back in just a moment here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5, KPL 232-1542, if you want to be part of the conversation. Still plenty of news out there to get to, not just the speaker stuff. I will keep an eye on in case anything else breaks during the show today. But I want to move to the economic news that came out a little while ago, because this is also pretty important. The jobs report came out, and it was good news. 
it was legitimately good news. It should not be. Uh, it 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 there there's really not much of a way to spin it. I mean, there are some things that still cause concern, but overall, two hundred twenty three thousand jobs were added to the economy in December, which exceeded expectations. They were only expecting two hundred thousand jobs. It was a drop from the two hundred fifty six thousand added in November which points to some seasonal issues because normally you have more seasonal hiring, especially as we get through December, but we didn't see that for the holidays. So that is a little bit of a concern. But some major good news as the unemployment rate goes down to 3.5%. However, there's still some concern on the inflation side and on the economic side. Bloomberg is reporting that 35% of Americans are using credit cards or personal loans to cover basic expenses after they have tapped out their personal savings accounts and retirement funds. That number is drastically up from 21% two years ago. So again, 35% of Americans are using credit cards or personal loans to cover basic expenses after tapping out their personal savings accounts and retirement funds. Inflation is still high. Prices are still high. There are a lot of things that people are just frankly being priced out on. Another economic concern is the news that major firms like Amazon, other big employers, are looking at slashing jobs this year. Um, I meant I wrote the other day at KPL965.com. If you ship packages regularly, you're going to see those prices go up as well. Uh, UPS and FedEx are upping their rates. Now, it depends on what you're shipping and how you're shipping it and everything. But on average, you're seeing a few percentage points of a of a price hike. And a lot of it has to do with the fact that there is a labor shortage. And we're also seeing supply chain issues. So those prices are going up. Hiring is being slashed. Uh, jobs are being slashed at Amazon and other places. And we also have to be careful about the fact that the Fed is still or has still been raising rates because inflation is still much higher. The inflation, the inflation numbers can go down, but that doesn't mean the prices of things are necessarily going down at that same rate. What it means is that prices are still up X percent over where they were last year. So things are still far more expensive, just not as expensive this month more than they were the previous year than they were a few months ago more than the previous year, if that makes sense. And a lot of this economic news is causing a little bit of confusion in the marketplace, in the stock market, among economists. Most are still predicting that we have a recession coming. They're not sure we're going to be able to pull off the soft landing for the economy from inflation. They want to, they're trying, but they're not convinced it's going to happen. And that is a problem that the Biden administration is still trying to grapple with right now. And there are stories that are now coming out. Fox News had Pete Buttigieg on, I think, yesterday. One of the problems, of course, is in the transportation sector, which is, you know, the Department of Transportation is where Pete Buttigieg is the secretary. He is in the executive branch. And yet, as Fox News pointed out, 
He's been absent from every major transportation crisis since Biden came into office. I've mentioned it before, but I think that Fox News taking this route and other media organizations taking this route are doing so because they're getting leaked opposition research. And I think the oppo drop is coming from Kamala Harris. Kamala Harris and her people see that Joe Biden may not make it to 2024. He may not be running in 2024. And the only rival within the administration right now is Pete Buttigieg. And people have openly talked about that before. So whenever a negative story comes out about Pete Buttigieg, you can bet it's coming from Kamala Harris's people. And on the flip side of that, any negative story about Kamala is probably coming from Pete Buttigieg's people. But neither of them, just like Joe Biden, seem capable of handling the economic issues that are still in store for Americans. All right, let's take our break. We'll be back in a minute with more of your news of the day here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542. If you want to be part of the conversation, you can also send a message through the KPL app chat. Somebody did send a message a little while ago. Um asking if I thought Kevin McCarthy would keep his word on the concessions in the race for speaker. I think so, because the alternative is not good. Uh, McCarthy, as I've mentioned before, has been very transactional in all of his dealings in Congress. If he decides to go back on his word, he's just shown everybody that he cuts deals with. He cannot be trusted to keep his deals. And that would be a huge blow to his ability to get anything done as speaker. Now, granted, a lot of these concessions, essentially, as a lot of his allies are complaining, makes the speaker role more titular than anything else, which I think is a clear sign he never deserved it to begin with because he's willing to give away literally the House in order to have the title, which I, in my mind just further shows that he's not qualified for the job if he's willing to do everything in his power to give the power away just to have the title. He's so desperate for the title. But that's neither here nor there. The important thing is that, yes, I do think Kevin McCarthy will keep his work for the most part. There may be some things that he tries to change or alter, but he does so at his own peril. Moving on. However, there's some news that came out in healthcare today that I think is really fascinating and I think we need to be paying attention to. The U.S. Food and Drug Administration has given early conditional approval for a new drug that treats and may slow the progression of Alzheimer's. This came earlier today. The drug called Lekembi, L-E-Q-E-M-B-I, has been approved on a an, it's an early approval, kind of a conditional approval, but it's an accelerated approval through a process the FDA has that is meant to get uh, get drugs out into the market if there is an unmet medical need and a drug is shown to have an effect, like in the case of Alzheimer's, where we haven't had much luck. According to Dr. Billy Dunn, the director of the Office of Neuroscience and the FDA Center for Drug Evaluation and Research, Alzheimer's disease immeasurably incapacitates the lives of those who suffer from it and has devastating effects on their loved ones. 
This treatment option is the latest therapy to target and affect the underlying disease process of Alzheimer's instead of only treating the symptoms of the disease. Essentially what happens is this drug goes in and it the the root cause of the deterioration that happens in the brain it slows it down. Lakembi is developed by uh, ASI uh, company or corporation and Biogen Inc. It's been approved under the FDA's accelerated approval pathway. However, it's probably going to take a while for most people to get access to it. Medicare decided in April to deny routine coverage of the drug. Under current Medicare rules, patients must be enrolled in approved clinical trials to get the drug paid for. No such studies are ongoing or planned, according to an ASI spokeswoman. Medicare officials can reconsider their coverage decision, but the process could take as long as six to nine months. So if it's not covered by Medicare and other insurance to companies don't cover it, it comes out to about 26500 per patient per year. For somebody who is within a, a, the average weight, a, a, a normal target weight, it's a steep price before insurance. This isn't the first drug of this type that the FDA has given appro- early approval for, but the last one, Ad- uh, Adelhelm, was given approval in June 2021, but it was criticized. Very dis- a very divisive move because the only two studies uh, that were out there were uh, were questionable at best. Uh, the methodologies, the the all of the data, it was it was very circumspect. So a lot of people criticized that the FDA is actually uh, uh, they've given this early approval using tighter language to try to avoid the same thing happening this time. And this isn't the only, there's another drug that they're going to look at in leave uh, that does the same thing. So it looks like more and more Alzheimer's treatment that slows the progression of the disease down could be coming out to the market. And this is huge because most of the treatments that are out there are just for the symptoms. And just treating symptoms doesn't actually treat the disease necessarily. It's like if you had COVID, for example, and you were showing major flu and cold symptoms, you could take medicines like Dayquil, NyQuil, Mucinex, any of those to treat the symptoms, but the underlying cause of the disease you weren't treating. With Alzheimer's, the symptoms that are caused are being treated by the current drugs available. This new drug targets the actual disease process that affects the brain and body and slows it down. It's not a cure, but it slows it down significantly. Some of the studies have shown. If this, con- if the approval remains and another drug comes onto the market and insurance starts recognizing it, that is all of a sudden a major deal for healthcare. And it fundamentally changes the science of Alzheimer's and other diseases like it. And these progressive deteriorating diseases, if they start coming out with the medicines that can fight back against the progression, you're vastly increasing the quality of life of the people who suffer from these diseases. It's estimated about 6 million Americans 
are directly impacted by the disease. And that's not to mention the number of loved ones that are deeply impacted by it as well. This is a good thing. And I, it, it's very important news that we need to be paying attention to because not all the news that we need to pay attention to has to be politics. Now, I mentioned yesterday, uh, one of the big news stories that nobody still is really talking about is the Federal Trade Commission uh, passing a rule that says you uh, you can't put uh, non-compete clauses in worker contracts. I imagine that one will actually be challenged in court because that has huge economic impl- implications. This one, not going to see much of a court battle over because it's going through the process and the federal agencies involved are making positive moves on it. But there is something that does tie it back to the politics of the day, which is this non-legislative power to pass rules. I won't sit here and tell you the FDA is not necessary. I won't tell you the FTC is not necessary. I won't tell you the FCC or the SEC or any of those organizations aren't necessary. But what I will say is that far too many of them have the power to create rules out of nothing. They, they go beyond the scope of their legislatively approved power to create rules that can drastically impact our lives. Uh, on Firearms Friday, on Acadiana's Morning News this morning, uh, uh, Kayla Morse talked about that with Bernie and Brandon, the, the ATF passing a rule that essentially uh, criminalizes a gun and turns a lot of Americans into felons overnight. And now there's a lawsuit about it because of the way they classify certain rifles. That is good. There, it's good to have lawsuits on it. We had over the summer uh, West uh, West Virginia versus the EPA. That that Supreme Court decision said no non legislative entities cannot essentially legislate their own rules. They can only work within the power granted to them by the legislative branch. And so more of these court cases will probably come forward. And some of these agencies that overreach, like the EPA, like the ATF, like the FTC, and some of these others. They will actually get the get challenging, get some of that power taken back and given back to the legislative branch. If you combine that with what's going on in the House right now, all of a sudden, you have a much, much better chance of actual conservative reforms to the federal bureaucracy, which is huge and something that's worth paying attention to. But again... Some of these agencies actually pretty necessary. The FDA, in the way it's handling this Alzheimer's drug, is going about it the right way, I think. What I want to see soon is how quickly you can get Medicare to uh, cover this drug and be able to help out those who desperately need it. Because it's high time that we started making a real big pushback against this disease. Alzheimer's is a terribly debilitating disease, and it absolutely crushes the families of those who suffer from it. And the more soldiers you can get onto the battlefield against this disease, like this drug, like Lakembi, the better the quality of life for Americans will be, and that is important. All right. 232-1542. Let's take another break. We will be back in just a moment here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5 KPL. 
Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5, KPL 232-1542, if you want to be part of the conversation. Um, you know, speaking of groups that have far more power than they should, uh, we need to talk about the NCAA. Fans are not going to be allowed to tailgate outside of the national championship, which is the most un-American thing I've ever heard. Now, this has been the policy for uh, national championship games going back for years, but uh, this is this this is just un-American. Tailgating is about. 50% of the joy of football when you're there in person. Like, if, if the, the tailgating experience is one of the most important experiences you have. And for the NCAA to bar it is just, uh, it's just unconscionable. It, it's, it's flat out un American. Um, fans have been blasting the policy on social media, according to the Washington Post. They found some high-profile common uh, company on Thursday when Republican Senator Ted Cruz, lawmaker Marjorie Taylor Greene, and Georgia Governor Brian Kemp took to Twitter to echo their complaints. Cruz and Greene appeared to lightheartedly endorse a satirical bill, the Gerald R. Ford Right to Tailgate Act, proposed by a Twitter parody account, which, by the way, is a fantastic account. It's a three-year letterman, uh, goes by coach on Twitter. Fantastic parody account. Uh, the bill outlaws any stadium or business entity banning tailgating and declares that Russian President Vladimir Putin has zero SEC championships. Cruz volunteered to offer himself as a co-sponsor. Uh, Kemp, whose state is set to host the college football playoffs uh, championship game in 2025, tweeted he would ensure that the future matchup in Georgia would permit tailgating even if it's at the state capitol. Uh, Democratic lawmaker Brendan Boyle of Pennsylvania also tweeted in jest that he would cross the aisle to support the bill. Why does the NCAA try so hard to make things not fun anymore? Uh, I do not like them. All right. Last news story coming across this one in Louisiana. You should be aware of it, even though it's in Allen Parish, not close to us. A woman in Allen Parish has been arrested after she allegedly posed as a dermatologist and treated patients in her own practice. KNOE, which I think is in Monroe, reports that Erica Giles or Giles has opened up had opened up a practice and was offering services she was not licensed to perform in the city of Oakdale, Louisiana. In the building that was set up to be her practice, she reportedly had a post-secondary education diploma from Northwestern State University, Forkham Demons on display, indicating she was a doctor of dermatology. (laughs) As a Northwestern State grad, I can tell you all, there is no such program on the campus. But uh, not only did she never attend the School of Dermatology, but Northwestern State doesn't even have such a program or college on its campus, according to the news site. The diploma on display was fake. According to Kanoe's report, Giles was arrested and booked into the Allen Parish Jail for theft by fraud and possession of a fraudulent post-secondary education degree. Authorities in Allen Parish are asking if anyone went to her for treatment to please contact them for further questioning as they continue their investigation. 
She is innocent until proven guilty in a court of law, but to read more on it, you can visit KNOE's website. Once again, kudos to Northwestern State School of Dermatology. Um, in all seriousness, their their nursing program is top tier, but uh, they do not uh, go on to medical. They, they do not offer anything for medical doctors in any field, much less dermatology. Uh, unfortunate that their good name had to be brought into this, but that is where we are. All right. So real quick. Uh, just an update on what's going on in the House. The House has officially adjourned until tonight. I want to say they're going to come back, yes, at 9 o'clock tonight, our time, 10 o'clock their time, when a few missing Republican members are expected to return to the chamber to support Kevin McCarthy's bid for speakership. He has failed 13 votes. The 14th vote he may very well get across the finish line. And the House is able to have a speaker, everybody gets sworn in, and the business of Congress can continue for Clay Higgins, who seems very desperate for that to happen. Um, Representatives Breaching, Bishop, Cloud, Clyde, Donalds, Luna, Miller, Norman, Perry, Roy, Self, Sparts, Gosar, and Ogles were among the 14 GOP holdouts who voted for McCarthy on the 12th vote, while McCarthy won a total of 213 votes during both ballots, more than the Democrats' unanimous 212. For Representative Hakeem Jeffries, he needed 217 to win, on the first ballot Friday, the remaining seven holdouts gave GOP Representative Jim Jordan four votes and GOP Representative Kevin Hearn three votes. Donalds, who was nominated on a few earlier ballots, told ABC News Friday he's confident McCarthy will be the speaker. And as I mentioned earlier, those concessions that McCarthy gave give Donalds and other conservatives in Congress a lot more power than I think the Democrats really want them to have, which the media and the Democrats are panicking just as much as the GOP establishment is right now, which is inherently a good thing. All right, y'all. It's been a fantastic week. We'll do it all again starting on Monday. In the meantime, follow me on Twitter at Joe P. Cunningham, Facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham Show, and of course, check out JoeCunninghamShow.substack.com, where, among other things, you can catch my columns and the daily podcast of the show. I'll have that actually posted shortly on my Substack. In the meantime, Shannon is offsides next here on News Talk 96.5 KPL.